This morning, our scripture lesson comes from the gospel according to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, Thanks be to God. Well, last night, Christmas Eve, we began to unpack the passage in Luke that outlines Jesus' birth. And what we find in this passage is a very unusual story. A familiar one, of course, but an, an, an unusual story in that we have Mary who, in the midst of all of the chaos that she's experiencing, all of the absolute chaos that she's experiencing, having a child out of marriage, traveling across the country pregnant, staying with her not-quite-yet-in-laws, while pregnant with not-her-fiancé's baby, having no place comfortable to stay, we, we talk about there was no room in the inn. This wasn't like a, a Motel 6 kind of situation. The inn is a reference to a room in the family's house. She wasn't allowed in the family's house. She had to stay out with the animals and go through labor among those animals, giving birth to an 8-pound, 6-ounce baby at the age of 14-ish. It's a reference to Talladega Nights. Yikes, I don't think I'm supposed to do that in a sermon having to deal with crazy shepherds showing up while she's trying to sleep. Yes, all of this chaos. In the midst of all of this, Mary treasures every single word about her son in her heart. As we discussed what it means to treasure something, that is to hold or keep as precious, to collect and store up something of value for future use, we acknowledge that this kind of treasure that Mary is doing is not the same kind of treasure that pirates end up seeking out. Rather, this is the kind of treasure that changes our lives and the world around us. So we, like Mary last night, took these words to treasure and we placed them in a treasure chest for safekeeping. 
The Gospel of Luke is the story that we read every Christmas Eve because of its powerful telling of the birth narrative, because it gives us that something to treasure. Today, on Christmas Day, we receive a different telling of the story, and it is wildly different from every other gospel. Behold the Gospel of John, my least favorite gospel, because of things like this. John just has to get wild with it. And whereas Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, begins this journey by going through the genealogy of Jesus, starting with Abraham all the way through his entire lineage, and focusing on Joseph, or Mark, which begins really with Jesus' baptism and shoots right into Jesus' ministry, Luke, as we heard last night, that has the heavenly announcements to lowly people and focuses on humility. John, on the other hand, begins with the word and is just outright weird. We have in John, in the beginning was the word. Already this doesn't make sense. Like, we, we let it make sense to us because we're used to these kind of passages, but I want you to try to hear this passage with fresh ears, okay? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, so there's a Word, and this Word is somehow with God, but also is God. This is weird, okay? But he gets even weirder. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. This makes a little bit more sense, because now John is starting to reference Jewish heritage here. We go back to Genesis chapter 1. God speaks with a word, creation comes into existence. What has come into being in him the word, was life, and the life was the light of all people. Okay, it's getting weird again. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Oh, wait, okay, there's our connecting point back to the Genesis story. Light is the first thing spoken into existence. And then there's this guy, John, that comes on the scene, but it's not the same John who writes the Gospel of John. It's a different John, uh, a very eccentric man named John. But then he goes on to get to the point of saying, you know, don't worry about John. He doesn't actually matter. He's just letting you know about this light. And about this light, this light and life and word ends up becoming flesh. I need you to hear this with fresh ears because this is an unusual telling of what's happening here. This word becomes flesh and dwells among us, lives among us. Okay, this is the way that John chooses to do the whole Christmas story. This weird, unusual, crazy way that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless 
we know a little Greek. So time for a Greek lesson. Anybody ever read philosophers like Heraclitus? Heraclides? Uh, what about Jewish philosophers by, like Philo? No? Not into it? Have you heard of Aristotle? Yeah. All right, we've got one. Okay, we can play with Aristotle. Perfect. All right, Greek lesson number one for today. What we read here in John is wrong. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. But it's a mistranslation. And we've become comfortable with it because we've had it for so long. But this mistranslation here is, has to do with the word, word. Uh, and it's thanks to Martin Luther. You know, the guy who messed up the church and went into the whole Protestant Reformation. I feel like things were pretty good whenever we were paying for our salvation and then we had to go and... Sarcasm, sorry people. But this Martin Luther, he's, he kind of ended up tweaking what was in the uh, romantic languages of French and, and Italian, le verbe, the verb. And Martin Luther didn't like for Jesus to be the verb. And so he changed it to the word, German for word. But before that, before the Romantic languages came on the scene, uh, we had you know, Latin, but before Latin, Greek. And Greek uses the word here in John, logos, or logos, or logos. Uh, nobody agrees on which way to say it. L-O-G-O-S. Say it how you would like and somebody's going to agree with you. This word, I'm going to use the expression logos for right now. Uh, this word is very, very, very complex. It doesn't mean word as in like a word that you write down, like one of these. That's the Greek word lexis. Logos, oh, I used a different one that time, oh well, uh, means word as in reason. Yeah, uh, and this goes back to blame the Greek philosophers. They couldn't settle on one single thing, but Aristotle, since y'all recognize that name, uh, used logos when referring to rhetorical devices. Whenever he speaks in rhetoric, logos is the reasoning behind it. And he had two other words, the pathos and the ethos, um, the culture of it all and the emotion of it all. Uh, but the reason of it all is uh, where he begins. And this is where we begin. If we were to boil down the word logos to one simple concept, it's reason. And what I mean by this is that logos denotes the understanding of the essence of something. I know y'all didn't come here for a philosophy lecture, but this is important when we're dealing with John because he's weird and this is the kind of stuff that he works with. For instance, if we're talking about the understanding of the essence of something, question for you. When you have a word that ends in the suffix ology, what are we referring to? The study of, yes. And really, it's just the uh, suffix logi 
but because of the way English works, we often add an O before it, and we feel like ology makes more sense. Uh, it's not exclusive. But logi, which is that suffix that we typically use, comes from the word logos. In other words, the study of something, right, like ecology, you know, things like that. Uh, I don't know, what's another ology? Psychology, yeah, the study of the psyche. Biology, the study of life. Theology, I've never heard that one before. Study of God, yes. Um, these kind of studies are trying to understand the essence of something or to understand the reason for something. If we're getting into psychology, we're trying to understand the essence and reason of the mind, the psyche. If we're getting into biology, we're trying to understand the essence of the reason for life, the bios. If we're studying theology, we're trying to understand the essence of and the reason for God. That logi, that logos is the reason. So the suffix ology, coming from the word logos, gets us to this a little bit of an understanding here that when John is saying that Jesus is the word, when Jesus is the word, what he's saying is that Jesus is uh, the reason. Jesus is God's reason. Jesus is reason. And doesn't that fit so nicely with the whole cliche, Jesus is the reason for the season? We'll come back to that. If we want to understand God, we look at God's reason in Christ. And what is it that Christ embodies? Well, to answer that, we simply look two chapters ahead in John to 3.16, which says, yeah, all right, so yeah, we kind of know that one. For God so loved the world. In other words, God's reason is love and life and light. This is God's reason for everything, from creation to redemption. God's word of creation and redemption are one and the same. What we learn from John is that the same word, logos, that God uses to create is also the same word that God uses to redeem. Right? In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him. Creation. It is this very same word that becomes flesh and dwells among us that we find is God's avenue for redemption. During Christmas, we often get stuck on the whole baby in a manger thing, which is really cute and really sweet and very special, and it's an important part of our Christian heritage but we end up forgetting why it is that Jesus came into the world to begin with. Christmas isn't an end point. It's a beginning. And every good beginning has a whole crazy story behind it. Even crazier if you're reading it through John's perspective. And the whole reason that Jesus came into the world to begin with wasn't for a cute holiday card or for the movies or books that would follow. It wasn't for the lights and the trees and the presents and all that sort of stuff. No, it was for us. That we might be reunited with God through God's great love. We overuse this cliche 
uh, that Jesus is the reason for the season. But this could not be more true. And it's absolutely paramount that we understand this every Christmas season. But I don't mean that Jesus is the reason for the season as in we need to be focusing more on the manger scene kind of thing and, you know, shepherds and wise men and all that sort of sweet stuff. I mean, Jesus is the reason for the season because God so loved the world. From beginning to end, God is at work through the word, the logos, creating and redeeming creation through Jesus, the epitome of love. This word, this reason, is what Christmas is all about. And so my challenge for us as we continue through the Christmas season, because that's right, Christmas is not an end, it's a beginning. We're just starting the Christmas season. We have 12 more days of it. During this Christmas season, my challenge for you is to treasure this word, this logos, this reason. Last night, during our Christmas Eve service, we wrote down words that embody Christ in the Christmas season and put them into this treasure chest. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to take one of these words. And what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to set it down front here so that you can take it when you're ready. Whether at the end of the service or I don't know if you want to make things awkward and get up right now. And I want you to take one of these words and take it with you. That it might be a treasure to you. That it might be a reason for you. A guiding light for you. And my prayer is that this treasure, this word, remind you that you are loved. Let us pray.